Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and I have two hosts here, Mr. Jim Lacey and Mr. L. Ortiz. Good morning or good evening. I think we're in the noontime right now to both of you gentlemen. How are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having us, Tim. Yeah, so... um, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of the topics that I'm thinking of here. We're talking about data leaks. You've got some uh, good information on it uh, there, uh, per se, on ransomware and some of the other designations of, uh, like, uh, CMMC uh, components and, uh, you know, kind of the threat between ransomware and how that's being affected in today's economy. Um, So I know we picked up conversations already about how the ransomware um, has impacted, uh, you know, just the last uh, colonial uh, issue in the news here in the past week. But first, I want to inter- let each one of you introduce yourselves just a little bit about each one, uh, you know, each one of you so we can kind of get the audience and kind of in tune with uh, why we're talking to you two. So if you don't mind, Jim, would you start out, please, for us? Sure. Yeah, so I've been in the technology space for quite some time now. I used to run CompUSA's training operations out of Dallas, and then I moved on to Silicon Valley to uh, Linux services startup. And from there, ended up running the Linux Professional Institute for about 15 years, built a global Linux certification channel there, and then came out to... Uh, Colorado Springs to build a cybersecurity company. And now I'm working uh, as the CLO with Al to build out a, a cybersecurity software company, primarily representing a few really innovative products, DriveLock and, uh, and also some block, uh, blockchain technologies. Yeah, you had a lot to do with the uh, Linux certifications, didn't you? Uh, actually setting that up for that company and really orchestrating that whole service behind, um, you know, association to actually getting the uh, Linux out there um, as a- actual certifications, didn't you? You had a lot to do with that in that company when you were doing it. So, yeah, yeah, we we built the Linux Professional Institute uh, from a few a handful of com- countries when I came on board to uh, being in about thirty five. Uh, having a presence in about 35 countries worldwide and delivering exams in every country on the planet. So yeah, Linux uh, is a is a big component of Kali Linux, and we all know, which is a very very driven toolset for all cybersecurity professionals. So such a great platform to be able to set a good toolset on, right? So um, thank you for that, Jim. Uh, nice to meet you there, uh, Mr. Ortiz, if you would please. Yeah. Hi, Tim. So uh, just a little bit of background about me. So um, I've been uh, working with cyber software distributors and started the company about three years ago now, um, focusing uh, on the Americas as our geography. So basically everything from Alaska to Argentina. So we're responsible for uh, endpoint security with our DriveLock product. 
Um, my background, I, I started in IT back in the early 2000s with Hewlett Packard, uh, going through a number of um, positions within the company, and then moving to some other um, ERP and, and uh, service management software, and uh, started up uh, CSD here in Colorado Springs. Um, academically, I'm, I'm working on a doctorate right now in information systems uh, with regard to one of the topics of, of data leaks uh, in IoT, um, IT and OT as well. So, so there's some things that, you know, certainly with regard to what's been happening with Colonial, um, you know, in the popular media, that, that would be a great starting point for us. Um, but we're looking forward to the conversation and uh, thanks for having us again. Sounds great. Okay, well, um, that kind of includes our idea of where we're headed for as conversation goes. I wanted to get with you, Mr. Ortiz, about how data leaks kind of genuinely seem to possess uh, to, in today's economics, um, such as ransomware and what how it contributes to the downfall and why cybersecurity would be more or less uh, you know, something that would be a driving force to support, uh, you know, remedies, uh, solving problems uh, for what data yeah. leaks do to us. Yeah. And so, you know, here, here's the one thing, Tim, is that when we're looking at data leaks, there's a couple ways to kind of look at this. And we kind of look at it from a little bit longer term perspective, right, is number one, these data leaks are happening because the current systems are already there in place with security, right? Yeah. So, so when they're there, they're happening outside of the the typical um, setup or you know the way that security's already been set up for an organization. So we have to kind of assess. Well, if that's the case, where are they coming from? First of all, because you may not even know that they're there. Um, I, I want to say there was a statistic out there that on average you really don't know that you've been. Um, taken from a from a cyber perspective for 45 days minimum, right? Yeah. So so when that happens, where where is this data leak coming from? We're going to take a break. I'm sorry, sir. We'll catch you right after the uh, break. Yes. So absolutely. Thank you. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and today we're talking to um, Mr. Jim Lacey. James Lacey um, had some uh, good work with uh, the Organization for Foundation of Linux, um, the Cali Linux Supportives, um, and uh, uh, Mr. Al Ortiz, to get that right, sir. You got it right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and he was, he was uh, before the break, he was talking about uh, some of the data leaks, and uh, we got into three supplemental components of the data leaks and some of the impacts there. So if you wouldn't mind, sir, just uh, go uh, right into what you were saying prior to the break there. Yeah. So, so, Tim, with regard to that, looking at some of the researches, 
first of all, you got to find out where the data leaks coming from and then kind of determine why, it, where is it coming from? Uh, so within your organization, three possible areas, you know, there's always more, but primarily is it your technology that, you know, is allowing those leaks to happen? Is it your processes that are happening in the organization or is it the people? or a combination thereof, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we're finding is that, you know, a lot of things could happen with regard to these data leaks and they could, you know, each one of these nodes within the system from a technology standpoint is pretty important. So, you know, you've got routers, switches, you know, you even have thermostats that are, you know, Wi-Fi connected and they all have some certain value to to the organization in terms of, how they work and what they contribute to to the IT or you know information system process. Right. That's from that's from the IT or IS perspective. But when you look at it from security, guess what? That that Wi-Fi thermostat inside of your building is just as important and could could be a data leak from there as a server laptop or a router could be. That's so true. you have to you have to treat them all 100% securely. Right. The the Internet of Things. Um, I've had an opportunity in the past few weeks to go over and contribute to a course curriculum for Internet of Things for a different uh, institute. And there's certainly dialogue there about how the emphasis of the Internet of Things do not have common um, cybersecurity components, best practices woven into them. So it becomes big vulnerabilities for data leaks. Um, certainly uh, gives the edge to, uh, you know, there's several things I can think of in the economics of our world uh, through virtual, you know, through the platforms that we actually interact with. So uh, Lexus to, uh, like you said, the refrigerators to the to your uh, your temperature and your thermostats inside your house that can cause certain open gaps inside your networks that lead way to vulnerabilities like that. Um, so yeah, definitely important factors here. Yeah. And then, and then when you look at the other two points, right, with regard to your processes, how secure are those? You know, one, one of the case studies we read, um, an academic article was, um, you know, at a hospital and they were implementing some software and, and one of the processes with the nurses, she was carrying around all of the medicines for the patients but she was tired of opening and closing her laptop to lock it down. So she just left it on, on the trolley going from patient to patient without locking it down. And there would be times she would leave the, the, the machine open. So that mm -hmm. process, they told her, you need to lock it down every time you step away. True. And, and that wasn't being followed. So that that, that's a simple process. Yeah. DOD world says that a lot about the cat card, right? You pull that cat card yeah. and better lock that machine. Uh, that's, that's has something, even, even when we're in secure areas, you know, they're still yeah. hunting your cat card, right? So yeah, definitely. exactly. And, and, and then lastly, you know, what are the people doing, right? Um, you know, are, are they taking data? They're not supposed to, you know, are they loading in, you know, going to, to, you know, their music and checking things out online or are they opening up apps? They're not supposed to, uh, on their work machine. You know, the working from home, right, with the, the COVID pandemic has kind of showed us that, you know, there's a, a mix between our home data, you know, maybe looking at your bank statements or paying bills on your work computer, and then and then going to your, 
your software applications for work and, and where is that being meshed and, and combined? So the, the people have a big part in this as well. And, and really in the environments that, that an organization has, you have to think about all three of these topics. Well, you're definitely right. The insider thread idea is what comes to mind when you were just referring mm-hmm. to people. Uh, going back to that equation about the hospitals, uh, you know, I think they're the most common uh, denominator when it comes to ransomware. And we just saw something recently in the news about the uh, ransomware that hit the uh, pipelines here recently. Um, I believe it stopped, I think it was like 45% productivity in the oil industry. That was a massive lot. You saw, uh, you know, people kind of a bit of hysteria going in a lot of the gas stations needing gas, um, backing up miles. Uh, so it certainly is doing the trick. Um, Jim, you, uh, you have some things to do with the uh, ransomware and some of the other components, uh, like the one in the hospital there, I think it was, um, they usually get locked down and it usually comes through someone's email and the biggest contributors are usually, uh, a phishing email that comes into play or insider threats where they just they uh they brought in something that opened up a vulnerability that they personally shouldn't have had on their computers so i mean yeah i mean i've you know in in various different companies i've worked with the cyber forensics folks uh, we worked with some very very large financial institutions but uh, ransomware is not just specific to enterprise companies. I mean, it hits all kinds of businesses. I think the average statistic now is something near about $225,000 uh, in payments demanded by cyber criminals that launch some version of uh, attack. And I won't bore you with phishing admonitions because everybody knows that uh, you really shouldn't click on a link that you don't know who it's from or where it's going, but it's still human nature. And unfortunately, phishing attacks seem to be the the largest percentage of you know, violation by employees that work at, at any company. And of course, they're getting much more sophisticated. So That's true. Uh, there's a lot of social engineering that goes along with that, as everyone knows. And uh, many times you'll get messages that look very real. And uh, it seems like it's something you need to do because it's coming from a senior person in the company. Um, but the best thing you can do is pick up the phone and call that person or have something prearranged with them that they would never do. Uh, and you would know that. Um, so there are ways to combat this, but um, uh, many more attacks are happening these days because more people are working from home, given the onset of the COVID issue that we just are getting through now. Um, which means they're operating on, in some cases, networks that are much less secure. And, uh, and so cyber criminals know them and, and they're launching more and more attacks because of that. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I know that the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack is on everybody's mind because we're talking about 
you know, double-digit percentages locking down gasoline. Uh, right. Uh, you know, driving so, up prices uh, too, right? Uh, you know, Georgia, I think, is over 10% now uh, in gasoline outages, and uh, North Carolina is at 16%. So, yeah, uh, and those numbers might rise. So, um, yeah, th this is a large problem, and uh, and it's not going to be combated overnight. That's true. Well, that being said, we're going to take another break. Uh, so uh, we'll be uh, right back uh, after a mention from our sponsors. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery. Uh, today we're speaking with Mr. Jim Lacey and Mr. L. Ortiz. Sir, did get that right, right? So Perfect. <laughs> I will get it. It'll roll off my tongue before the end of the show, right? That's how it always works. Um, and uh, Mr. Lacey was referring back to uh, before the break was talking about ransomware and the impact of our economy and how detrimental uh you know data leaks can be to no not just small businesses but overall across the country how that drives seems to drive prices as well uh some of the other bigger factors um so and in today's society i think cybersecurity is uh is is getting more and more important and more and more serious i hope companies out there at least i'm seeing trends of a, a lot of individual companies looking for more and more of the engineer uh role to come in and play uh, support for um, the actual accreditation processes, things that are coming our way uh, that we've never seen before. Um, I know the framework um, and some of the supply chain mechanisms, some of those things are are starting to trend where more and more companies are starting to relate to one another. And as they do business with one another, it's driving a trend to uh, actually be more, have a better cybersecurity posture. Um, so um, just with ransomware, let alone some of the other factors. Inside threat is a bigger one. I think it's it takes the cake on majority of uh, cybersecurity threats these days. Honestly, that was something, uh, as when I worked with the Missile Defense Agency for quite a few years there, that was one of the bigger driving ordeals. I mean, you think about it. Um, you can drive through a gate, and then you drive through armed guards, and you, you go through a turnstile and a pin, and you got to go through another turnstile and another gate and another pin, and then you got to go through a couple of locked doors that had a couple of permission sets on them, some passwords, um, all before you got to your desk and sat down. So it could take you 25 minutes just to get from the car to sitting at the desk to log in. And then on top of that, the desk, you know, had or the computer itself had to have a card, too, to get in. So lots of uh, layers there. But, um, you know, I could see how those uh, defense in depth idea, you know, all those layers would support elements that would prevent data leakage and things of that nature. Uh, but that insider threat somehow played a big role. And uh, the phishing idea, I know that, that you're right. Um, those factors are kind of in play um, all the time. But I, as you, if, if, if both of you have ever went through one of those uh, phishing ordeals where you've calculated the odds and you're hoping and wishing that, uh, that everybody's going to pass the test and come to find out 98% of them didn't. 
So I, I've seen that three times now, uh, and, and I'm talking about agencies. Uh, so <laughs> you can only imagine what the uh, training guy was like, man, we got our work cut out for us. So um, either you had any uh, ordeals or run into with uh, what do you think on the, uh, the fishing, the idea behind a, a fishing attack and the um, concept behind the testing of a fishing attack? So, so I'll touch on it briefly. I mean, you know, so, some of the things that that we're seeing is that some of the perpetrators, if you will, on the fishing side are being becoming more and more sophisticated, right? Yeah. I mean, you used to see fuzzy backgrounds with you know the the lettering and you know, hey, this 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 looks a little fishy, pun intended, <laughs> um, right? With regard to this, and it's like. You know, why is it in British spelling instead of American spelling and things, little things <laughs> like that that we could kind of detect. Right. So it's like, let's just delete this one. But but in today's world, right, I mean, as easy as it can get, you know, with, you know, getting, you know, fonts and, and, and having people more sophisticated on the tech side to be able to do this is, hey, I can make the call to these these folks and try to generate, hey, what, what can I get out of these guys? You know, maybe a password if I'm lucky, um, you know, maybe, maybe IP address, something that, hey, especially with, with municipalities, for example, the, the people at municipalities are all listed on the website for the cities. That's true. Right? Public, it's public so, access, right? Yeah, you got to have public access. And I mean, their phone numbers are there, their emails are typically there. So, you know, how, how far do we do we need to think about, you know, where the sophistication point can get in? And even to a point where, hey, I've got to go pay my electric bill, right, mm -hmm. with a city or, or utility, that, that, that could be another angle to, to consider as well. Um, there, there's a great case study a use case tim that's not even it per se mm -hmm. it's more it was actually in um foreign affairs um periodical that after stutnecks happened over in iran there was actually an attack on a israeli water source utility and and with their situation there well it, it, you know that's almost state sponsored to a certain extent right yeah you're right uh, and, and, and so, yeah, with it's not just individuals, it's not just municipalities, but we're seeing utilities, we're seeing, um, you know, some of these folks that can get, get fished and, and uh, it can turn out to be some pretty bad stuff. Well, you're right. Um, you know, this, the smaller companies don't have the ability or resources. I was chatting with a gentleman about different types of services, like having a, a virtual chief information security service come in and support the smaller in businesses or mediocre businesses um the effort behind it seemed like they're getting into supply chain management and i know in the dod world um the bigger companies now are having to support the smaller vendors because they don't have that capability uh and some of the components that are now starting to enter the arena like your your c mmc type of scenarios and things like that so um you guys what do you think about how uh, the impact is today I mean, the maturity that's going to that's going to have to happen to those small businesses, according to that relationship with the bigger ones. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, that's that is a topic on everybody's mind, especially in 
in a market like Colorado Springs, where you've got many defense contractors, you've got uh, numerous military bases here. Um, you know, C CMMC, as most people know, if they're if they've heard of it, and they want to be a, a DoD contractor, uh, they will have to attain a certain level of compliance. Right. Uh, once once it's fully rolled out, and it's really just um, uh, an evolution of something like 800-171, which a lot of companies. We're working toward that level of certification and then there are various ISO certs and things, but, um, you know, CMMC is now starting to take shape. Um, there are five levels of CMMC. Most contracts from what uh, we're hearing is uh, that, that companies would need to be in compliance up to level three. That's right. Uh, four and five is kind of a higher, higher level standard, but uh, that will be a requirement for DOD contracts in the future, uh, as opposed to 800-171, where uh, you could still have a program in place to address the issues that you were facing uh, based on certain security controls, but uh, CMMC is going to have a complete auditing function to it where auditors will then come to your place of business and ensure that you're attaining uh, the control level that maps to whatever level it is that's mandated by the contract. And that's also a floating one, right, from, from the prime. Right. So... If a prime contractor is looking to engage with a subcontractor, they are also responsible to ensure that that subcontractor does have the level of CMMC requirement that's deemed necessary in the contract. Yeah, so do you think that will probably help with the uh, resolve on things like this, uh, um, you know, like being this, there's of phishing issues with smaller companies that would interact. I, I would think it would, it would help support being able to tear that off or make sure that, that those things don't happen again or be able to support a posture for cyber for them uh, when it comes to, you know, insider threat and those things we were just chatting about. I think that would help them. Do you, I mean, do you, you agree with those things as well? Well, I agree in the spirit of, of the certification, that's what it's intended to do is to lock down the supply chain yeah, in a much more uh, objective way. Yeah. Um, I don't know that you can ever take human nature out of the equation when it comes to phishing and the sophisticated people that are very, very skilled at social engineering. Yeah. Uh, because really that's a combination of, right? If, if you're good at phishing, and then you back it up with some very uh, well-planned social engineering engagement. Uh, you know that's a yeah, you're gonna that's get a difficult inside. thing for most people to sort of see through if they're not in the cybersecurity world. But I think the intention is 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 well placed. I think there's still a lot of work that has to be done to ensure that that standard is 
is something that a small to medium-sized business can afford to engage with. And that seems to be a topic of conversation right now. Yeah, you're right. I think, uh, well, I hope it supports the small business being able to um, come up in the standard of the posture that they, that they need to protect themselves in today uh, with the, you know, the virtual platforms that we uh, have to do business in. Um, I know with the, uh, if you guys, if you, if, if you've looked out, there's actual on the InRail uh, Renewable Energy Laboratory down in Golden, uh, they actually have different mechanisms that you can sign up with. They've got the, uh, um, like you said, the the discovery and being able to look at the controls and actually go through assessment validation as a self-assessment um, that actually support the smaller companies and the utilities, uh, looks like, too. So they've actually got some tools out there that they've been developing through UC Boulder. Um, so check those things out. Um, I think they support the small business as well. And I think that uh, that CMMC, you know, level three is um, a pretty good iteration of, uh, of your control monitoring or continuous monitoring measures. I think there's a maturity level once you get to four. It's kind of a, um, you know, you're kind of no worries whatsoever. And I don't know if any business truly will ever get to that 80, 85 percentile um, like we're all hoping for. But uh, I think it's a good set of tools especially when it comes to the medium and the small business and i love that support mechanism from the larger businesses so i mean yeah uh, mr ortiz you have anything to add on that no i you know just just to tag along a, a little bit further on the the economies of it right because we can trace back when we look at mmc we can almost put a financial value on each one of those points that we need to hit and lock down for an organization. So, so when we see it, what is it that they're trying to lock down, right? At, at, for CMMC, and then you can put not only the financial point on it for organizations and what you would be responsible for as an organization, but you also look at a couple of other things, right? Those those secrets or proprietary information that could get out and you have to put a weight on that. You can, we already talked about the financial piece, but the one thing that's important as well is the reputation, right? Is if that gets out and especially if you're a smaller player trying to, to increase your, your value as a company, how important is that if, if that gets broken or, or lost? That's right. that's almost uh, as important, if not more important, I would say. Right? Because right. your reputation because is everything. It builds it builds on everything, rapport, relationships, and networking with people. Exactly. And 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 really that that's you know invaluable because you're you're looking at possible loss of financing. Uh you're looking at your reputation to maybe some of those primes that you're working with, and then just your public perception of Hey, you know what? These guys did a great job or didn't do a great job because of their cybersecurity. So, so there's other factors. While, although the technical piece is very, very important, you have to keep into consideration from a business perspective and an economic one. What are those other factors that re- people are really going to have that value point that, that we have to revolve around with, with these requirements? That's so true. That's so true. Well, gentlemen, I, I, appreciate both of you being on 
Uh, I know we've talked a little bit of how data leaks, uh, you know, affect our economy and affect everyday life uh, and those smaller businesses. And uh, it sounds like that some of the uh, more, uh, you know, the SCCM or CMMC, uh, the idea behind the NIST in the 800 series um, has come a long way since it started. Um, and it's manifested in quite a bit of ways. Uh, it's It's got dialogue in the Department of Energy and it's got... Uh, starting to build out what they call the C2 M2s. Uh, if you guys look those up, they're starting to call them out. There's different distributions of this, it seems to be now, because the Department of Agriculture has got uh, its own set of dialogues that it can do assessments with. And the Department of Energy has kind of got its own dialogues now um, that they're using through UC Boulder, I think it is. So uh, we've you know we've kind of touched base on how the maturity levels are starting to come up and the compliance and the importance for cybersecurity across the board, especially with the way... Uh, those hackers out there seem to be uh, redefining our world every day, right? So um, uh, thank both of you gentlemen for being on, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. Uh, I appreciate you uh, <laughs> my second time through, so uh, uh, thank you for uh, putting up with that part of it. Um, and um, uh, yes, this is uh, New Cyber Frontier, and my, I'm Tim Montgomery, your host. And uh, that's it for this uh, podcast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world. But you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.